This episode of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by The Everyday Fan. Check out their content and a passionate group of content creators getting together to create content for the, for the growing community of pop culture, fan base, fandoms, and especially sports such as football, basketball, baseball, professional wrestling, and MMA fantasy sport. Control your content and share your story around the world today. The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Welcome everyone to Neo Reality Collective episode 55. And ladies and gentlemen, we have to start this off with DC Warner Brothers Discovery News, and it's not the good kind of news. At all. Yeah. So, even though the movie isn't out yet, and the actor who's in the movie could likely go to jail and be put in prison for 26 years, they already have a script for Flash 2 with Ezra Miller involved. Like just when we were finally gonna finally get Man Still Two, <laughs> yeah, DC. So yeah, Ezra Miller already has a script ready set for them, and Man Still Two is now being eyed on with Henry Cavill back in the wake of the Black Adam movie, which is awesome. They have an intense desire to see Cavill on the red cape once more, and in fact, it probably would essentially be Man Still Two after over ten years. Meanwhile, Matt Reeves is playing to several Batman villains spin-off series with, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Matt Reeves has been a busy camper. He had the Riddler and the Penguin, and the third villain was planned with the Joker. But Reeves has talked in the past about different villains he was exploring, including Mr. Freeze, and it seems like he's going to explore more characters in the Batman side of the DC Universe. Uh, like, we already have a Bang Penguin series and an Arkham Asylum series. Now we're going to get a Scarecrow series, it's seen. Other projects, um, Scarecrow, Clayface, Professor Pig. How about we get one on Poison Ivy and see how that works? Uh, just saying. Though, at the same time, I think they're still on the fence about, is she a villain? Is she not a villain? Is she a hero? Could she become a hero? Anti-hero? Or Harley Quinn's girlfriend? We're still on the up and up on that. And, yeah. Oh, by the way, Ezra Miller pleaded not guilty for the horrible things they've done, and now faces 26 years in prison if, he, if they fail the court. Oh dear. So, but, yeah, that happened. 
Meanwhile, Twisters, remember that movie? <laughs> Where we got a tornadoes and whatnot? Well, um, surprisingly, they're giving a sequel for Twisters. Um. Okay. So, according to the reports, um. According to reports, uh, it came out that Frank Marshall is set to produce the upcoming sequel. And. Twitter Twister was well received by eyes and critics, so perhaps the sequel was inevitable according to the article. But according to Deadline, the upcoming Twister sequel has currently meeting with directors as Universal and Ambulin are hoping for a spring start to production spring. Uh, apparently it's been in the development since the twenty since twenty twenty, but then the pandemic happened, so I'm pretty sure things got delayed. So yeah. Now, like, we got Top Gun Maverick, but I didn't even see Twister being a possibility of a sequel. It seemed pretty one and done. I mean, it's a story about tornado hunters, for the most part. And an awkward love triangle. So, um... Yeah. Uh... It, it's, it's weird. Meanwhile, um... EA is going to be shutting down a bunch of servers soon for several games. Mirror's Edge, NBA Jam on Fire Edition, Gatlin Gears, and Shank, Shank 2. There, eh, heard of that. Uh, along with that, Army of Two is going to get shut down. Um, Dragon Age Origins, Command and, Multiplayer Screenshot Server, Command and Conquer, Red Alert 3, Tiberium Wars, King's Wrath, Mercenaries 2, World in Flames. I'm gonna be real, I didn't even know that was still a thing. Like, me and my friends played it a lot, but still. Onrush, Mirror's Edge, NBA Jam, Gatlin Gears, and Shank 2. Uh, since, you know, Ubisoft shut down their servers recently. But, uh. I'm. I'm a little amazed how long those servers stayed up. I didn't even know Dragon Age Origin had a multiplayer component with screenshot servers. Eh, the more you know. The more you know. Meanwhile, um, Benedict Cumberbatch talked about Doctor Strange 2, the Multiverse of Madness. Um, he apparently said, I wanted it to be even darker than it already was. And he said this in an interview, during an interview with Prestige. I suggest that I need to get darker at a point. There was slightly more scary inversion at one stage. And I'm really happy with the way it evolved. Sam Raimi was so game for it. And Michael Waldron really supported me to write it as well. So. <laughs> yeah, one of these seat versions may have well have been a marvelous Melvin. A rather a tame version of Doctor Strange that exists in one of the multiverses worlds, where he was little more than a performer of stage magic. But while concept art of that character was produced, the character was eventually cut. 
We turned out what was a very small combat between the two of sort of very bizarre and intimidating battle at the moment. I really loved it. I, it was how the original was pitched to me a long while back when Scott Derrickson was still working with us. Strange would meet versions of himself. It was something that I wanted to lean into. We could have gone further and maybe it will go into the future. Who knows what the other versions we might need in a multiversal chapter in the MCU. But it was a very enjoyable to play all the variants of myself. Cumberbatch also talked about how he much he enjoyed playing the, against spare versions of himself and that it helped him write some of the other scenes. That was the most fun bit. I absolutely loved it and it sounds and it sounds so egotistical. There we, we go. That's what actors are. But I love doing the scenes with myself because of the challenge of it and I got to write some of those scenes. Currently it's not known which scenes he wrote, but uh, yeah. But we had Strange Supreme and Sinister Strange and Zombie Strange complete with the third eye and the original ending does sound like something like uh, Ben and Cumberbatch probably would have advocated for where they do a fake out scene where it's revealed that Sinister Strange Sinister Strange at the end popping his third eye out instead of Strange just being back and then being his second love interest and uh then being informed, oh, there's an incursion coming, we're all dead. Meanwhile, um, Obsidian, remember them? They're currently doing stuff on their own, and it's awesome, but uh, they have had an innate desire um, about Fallout, saying, uh, hey, are you working on a Fallout game? No. Oh. No, okay. Then he says, yeah, but I would unquestionably work on a new Fallout game if the opportunity arose. No, he doesn't know Bethesda would ever ask to. I mean, you don't really need to ask Bethesda. You could just go to Microsoft and say, Hey, uh, could you, like, tell them to tell us we can make a Fallout game? Okay, sure. Okay, we got a Fallout game, everybody. Yeah, like, Microsoft, they could just do that. Like, Todd Howard doesn't even care anymore. And we need some, we need a palate cleanser after the disaster that was Fallout 76 and that infamous story. Plus, I would love to see what's going on in the Mojave Wasteland after what we did. Besides all the retcons that they introduced in Fallout 4 that made me question, wait, then how the heck did... Why was that never explained? Anyways. So, Friday the 13th, the final chapter actor Ted White tragically passed away at age 96. He died peacefully in his sleep at his home. Jason Voorhees is actor who played Jason Voorhees in it, and it was announced by convention runner, a corner horror historian and convention runner, Sean Clark. White died peacefully in his sleep at his home, saying, I just got hit with the news that my dear friend Ted White passed away. I was totally passed away peacefully in his sleep at his home. Ah, yes. That's the dream a lot of people probably have, to just pass away in their sleep peacefully and not without any pain. And a lot of people are denied that. So remember that whole fiasco with um, Splinter Cell remake about how we're gonna reinvent this for a modern audience to the point that we didn't know what the heck that even meant? Yeah, well, we got an update. The director left it. The director has left Ubisoft. So apparently he did leave on good terms. I mean, like, as much as you can say good terms for a corrupt company, but still. 
According to VGC, David Gerbel had announced on LinkedIn that he'd be moving on to a new adventure following more than a decade working at Ubisoft. So now they're going to look for another one, but yeah, it's part of that whole exodus they're going through. I'm like, geez, I wonder why. I mean, like, it can't be because of all the horrible allegations of what recently been happening with, an, with a Twitch streamer and a Ubisoft manager being supportive about the horribleness in a very messed up way. But I'm not going to get into that because I don't feel like going dark on that route. But uh, we will talk about this, though. G4 is being shut down. Uh, According to Deadline, Comcast Spectator Chairman and CEO Dave Scott penned a letter to the all-employees saying G4 is being discontinued immediately. Uh, After the fiasco that had happened recently, I mean, it's not even been a year, but considering um, Considering what had recently happened on G4, as was reported, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we saw this. I'm pretty sure everyone saw this, the writing on the wall. You probably should have had Xavier Wood still run everything. He would have made the most sense. So, that happened. I... I, I uh, and things went crazy afterwards. I, I don't know the full details of it, but Adam Sandler, Adam Sizzler, or whatever, uh, did something on Twitter and went crazy or something. I don't know, but yeah. Also, uh, the showrunners JD Payne, ain't I Payne, and Patrick McKay, he, the showrunners of Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power, which is not gotten a good reception from what I've heard. I have yet to watch the show yet. I've been delaying myself for a minute because I wanted to finish one show before I moved on to another. Which was House of the Dragon, so that was awesome. So, they revealed details of their cancelled Star Trek IV script, which would have been like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in space. Previously reported that Star Trek 4 was going to somehow bring together Chris Pines' as James T. Kirk and his father George Kirk, played by Chris Hemsworth, but Payne and McKay gave a much clearer picture of the story that never was. The conceit was that through a cosmic quirk in the Star Trek world, the characters were the same age. It was going to be a grandfather's son grandfather son, grandfather son space adventure. Her thinking Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in space. We were really thrilled about it. We had an original villain and a really cool space 2001 Space Odyssey-esque sci-fi idea at the core. And apparently, yeah, because they canceled Star Trek 4, that led to them eventually finding their way to Rings of Power and considering how people have reacted to it, yeah, probably wasn't for the best. Though, that, that, that just leads to um, a question I have. Uh, uh, besides, uh, uh, how do I say it? Um, 
why is there a cosmic thing in the universe that has to explain this? Like, it's not going to be a time travel thing, I bet that, but like, yeah. But I would have been interested to see what it was, but really, the I think, I wouldn't be surprised if one of the reasons they canceled it was because, look, Star Wars already did a MacGuffin adventure that led to, well, total crap, but like, with the Rise of Skywalker, so we're not going to do that. We're not going to go ahead and have that. So, uh, scrap everything and throw it out. Also, um, after William Hurt had been, um, passing away, uh, uh, they decided, okay, we could now, logically, they were like, okay, we clearly can't recast General Thunderbolt Ross, because if we did that, then we would be having to recast T'Challa nonsense, streaming up the storm, and plus, we could actually make a legacy kind of out- outing of this with the Thunderbolt movie. Ah, who am I kidding? They're going to go ahead and recast Thunderbolt Ross, which I'm sure is not going to piss someone off in the recast T'Challa community. So, yeah. Who do they recast for this report? According to various sources uh, from Twitter and from other sites of fil- slash film, uh, apparently they're going to cast Harrison Ford as the general. Harrison Ford is the new Thunderbolt Ross. Okay, I'm going to ask this very, very, very specific question. I mean, like, I'm not dismissing Harrison Ford, but like... What did... I, I can't see the resemblance between him and William Hurt. Like, William Hurt as Thunderbolt Ross had the clear, distinct style and aesthetic to him. Harrison Ford taking that role now, it's like... I don't see him as Thunderbolt Ross. I can't see him. Is probably because I saw him so much as these more adventurous characters with snark and whatnot, whereas Thunderbolt Ross is, well, a military guy and very... Very, very wanting to punch in the face because he's so high nosed on himself, and then he became secretary secretary of state because, of course, he did. I, I I don't see I don't see Harrison Ford playing the role of Thunderbolt Ross. You you could just went with the idea I cooked up at the last minute, but yeah. Yeah, like you could open the movie up with the funeral of Thunder of a Thund- Thunderbolt Ross, and then you then the public then it's revealed the government reveals that they have the last legacy of Thunderbolt Ross, which was his own take on the Avengers Initiative called the Thunderbolts, and the new supervillain team up movie and whatnot, basically be their own version of the Suicide Squad, but without the head of the director on it. So. So there would be no Amanda Waller, the wall. Uh, uh, I, I and I know the uh, bad, and I know the uh, the recasting is going to cause problems for the T'Challa recasting community, being all. 
pissed off beyond belief, saying, Why is T'Challa being not recast? But Thunderbolt Ross is. This is hashtag something, something, something injustice. But yeah. Meanwhile, um, yeah. <laughs> Moving on, uh, Microsoft has laid off hundreds of staff across multiple departments. Less than a thousand staff were laid off across divisions th- thought to include Xbox, the forward-looking Microsoft Strategic Missions and Technology Organization, and the Office of T- Chief Technology Officer. Studio Alpha, um, Microsoft's series game initiative that focused on wargaming simulations, is also at risk of recording one source, according to the Mission Expansion Cloud government team. Microsoft's mission engineering team may also be affected as it led to Zach Kaner. Kramer um, sent an email to employees saying it would be deprioritizing work already underway. And we got this email saying how it was hard to do and everything. Casey Lemson was among those affected, announcing on Twitter that she had lost her role as product manager of the CFO's office. Another laid off staff member told insiders that he only been hired one month earlier. If and Microsoft announced in July that it planned to lay off less than 1% of its workforce, which currently sits around at 880,000 people, putting towards 1,800 1, 1, at risk, 1,800 at risk. It's unconfirmed that this most recent wave of layoffs is related to this July announcement, however, which, okay, why, why did you hire people then and then get rid of one after just a month? Is this because of the billion-dollar the multi-billion-dollar acquisition? It's because Microsoft's been battling trying to prove. See, this is good for gaming. Meanwhile, uh, speaking of very protective of secret confidential secrets, the Batman cast uh, had lockable scripts with tracking devices to avoid leaks. Paul Dano, a.k.a. The Riddler, revealed that he was given a lockable binder with a tracking device to keep movie documents safe. Um. <laughs> wow. And Matt Reeves even shot fake scenes in order to protect the major reveal in the film's final act. Wow. Um, <laughs> pretty extreme, but okay. Meanwhile, um, Starfield, aka the game that's being made by Todd Howard, so be on the lookout uh, for potential destruction, uh, includes a throwback to an infamous Elder Scrolls NPC. As reported, infamous NPC from Louisian called Ardarian Fan, Adoring Fan, might just be making a return to Starfield. A video released by the developer last week shows the character creation menu in his tree system, one which is called Hero Worshipped. It reads, You've earned the attention of an annoying, adoring fan who will show up randomly and jabber at you ins- insistently. On the plus side, he'll give you gifts. Oh, just. Oh, I feel so sorry for you, man. I feel so sorry for you. I like I never played Oblivion, so I never got a chance to. 
to witness the insanity, but okay. Meanwhile, Mortal Kombat Onslaught is getting is a new game that's set to be released on mobile, set for 2023, made by NetherRealm Studios. I, I don't know why this is a mobile game. Why couldn't this be a console game? So, they're telling us to screw ourselves. Okay, I see how it is. Meanwhile, Black Adam was originally rated R for its more violent kill scenes. <laughs> so, apparently, they went through massive edits to downplay Black Adam to PG 13 because it was rated R for its um, grotesque violent killings. Okay. So you had this cut. They estimated that Flynn estimated that Black Adam's original cut had around 10 moments of extreme violence, similar to those those described, but they ended up with four or five in the edited version, which is set to hit theaters and whatnot, and they did. see the director's cut so we can get that that rated R content because we need our grotesque violence <laughs> meanwhile Insomniac despite despite rumors of a delay have announced that Spider-Man 2 was still on track for 2023 release saying don't we're making good progress and it's still slated for 2023 showing games take time effort resources and coordination yeah good point like, it makes sense to not, like, they could post a teaser they want, but, like, to say we want to see the game already after what happened with Grand Theft Auto, oh, six is pre-alpha build, you would think that, oh, this will take time. Nope, we still haven't learned our lesson. But, uh, I do got good news uh, for the creative minds of Minecraft. A teenager um, named Christopher Slayton, who goes by the handle Chris Dachau, okay, on YouTube, decided to take the sandbox's creative potential to his grandest skill yet by attempting to recreate the entire cosmos, or at least the elements we know best. He started off by painstakingly recreating the planet Earth. This would end up being a relatively humble beginning compared to what was to follow. However, it still took a block artist a grand total of three days to measure out the continents and get the surface colors, clouds, and lighting just right. Illuminating the group globe proved to be a particularly challenging difficult, but by making the most tools that lets you paint with light, Slayton was able to give his creation immersive lighting gradients and effects. Then, he went to conquer the cosmos. My God. So, yeah, this kid, I, I, I must stress this is a teenager, somehow build the entire known universe in Minecraft and the elements that we are familiar with in our science. It took 
a month. A month. Wow, I, I, I'm impressed. Uh, wow, we, we, wow, this is impressive. I'll, I'll admit. So, I think it's so impressive. We're gonna take a brief break. We'll be back after these messages and ad break, and we'll see y'all again later. Take care and stay tuned for this ad break. We're back, everybody. Let's top this whole thing off and get back to working. So, EA has teased the next generation of The Sims drop dubbed Project Reen. What is it? Well, we don't know yet. Is it Sims 5? We don't know yet. So, <laughs> so apparently it started off from the whole, when will we hear about The Sims 5? Well, Max, yes, uh, does just unveil what appears to be the next generation, but calling it Sims 5 may not be fully accurate. The working title for now is Project Reen, and it was first shown off during today's Behind the Sims Summit. The name Reen was chosen for its reference to words like renewal, renaissance, and rebirth. To represent the developer's renewed commitment to the Sims' bright future. Very early stages, and we likely won't know about it for several years. As such, we don't have a whole lot of details on it at the moment. But um, there, so currently, uh, what we do know, however, is that Maxis is revealing that Project Green will be playable across multiple support devices. And will function as both a solo experience as well as a collaboration with others. Saying from the start, The Sims defied life simulation games and has continued to grow into an incredible platform for creativity and self-expression. The vice president of franchise created for The Sims said. Today marks the start of our journey over the next few years as we work on this next game and create a platform currently titled Project Green. We are building on the same foundation that has made Sims compelling for generations of players and pushing the boundaries to create new experiences. We'll have much more to share as we continue to progress this game's development and milestones along the way. However, Sims 4 will continue to update the community over the next few years and will early access will be offered to small group over time. In addition to the reveal, other interesting tidbits with the presentation including a partnership with Overwolf, or a new CurseForge mod manager, and a discovery platform for user-generated content. I promise a monthly update to The Sims 4 now that the game has gone free to play, and a few brief visual teases of two future Sims expansion packs. We also got teases of infants, which are coming to Sims 4 at last, and no longer just stuck in cribs, in 2023. Yes! Because no one wants to go ahead and deal with money babies. We gotta deal with the devil infants. Excuse me, I just wanted to make a joke. So, yeah. Also, uh, the UK agency has, de- has demanded Meta, aka Facebook, to sell Giphy due to the risk of substantial lessening of competition in social media and display advertising market. As reported by CNBC, UK competition regulators made the final verdict on Tuesday, October 18, in order Meta to sell Giphy in its entirety to a suitable buyer. Uh, currently, there's no writer at the moment. Following the rule, Meta says they are disappointed by the CMA's decision, but accept today's ruling as the final word on the matter. So, yeah, they said we will work closely and we are grateful to the team during this uncertain time and all that stuff, but, uh... Yeah, they bought these, this company back in 2020 for $400 million. 
and it got under scrutiny for CMA, for UK's Competition and Markets Authority, as I said, the potential anti-competitive as Meta controls nearly half of the UK's $7.9 billion, $7 billion hour in pounds display advertising market. This move, according to CMA, could lead to Facebook restricting and or removing access to the Giphy from its competitors and potentially requiring them to provide more data to keep their access. So, uh, yeah, I think Activision Blizzard's deal with Microsoft might be in trouble, but that's a completely different subject. Meanwhile, Netflix decides to rebound, has decided after their uh, painful quarters of subscribers' losses, they have announced that we have rebounded. Proud to announce that they have, after losing one million in the prior quarter, primarily because of what's going on in Europe right now and in uh, Central Europe to Eastern Europe. Oh God damn it! Uh, they have now regained that as they brought in 2.4 million new subscribers in the last quarter. And the earnings report reveals that just over half of those gains <sighs> came from the Asian Pacific region, though all track segments, US, Canada, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Latin America, saw growth compared to the last quarter. An even larger increase than the 1 million rise the company predicted last quarter, but still down to front to the 2.2 million lift the company set this time last year, though. Attributes has grown as part of its bingeable release model for newer releases, specifically pointing to the sequence of Monster Jeffrey Dahmer story. Yeah, I'm sure that's not gonna be a problem. Which brought in 824 million viewership hours. Stranger Things Season 4 alone top got 1.35 billion hours viewed. Considering how much long those episodes were, like, near moving late, uh, it was kind of inevitable it got to that. They also gave a small update on the gaming segment, where it mentioned it has 55 more video games to develop on this first platform, including more based on Netflix IP. Specifically, they cite how Cyberpunk Edge Runner resulted in an increase in people playing Cyberpunk 2077, and the wants to cast on a similar relationship between shows and games within its own platforms. All this comes as Netflix prepared to to at last issue its crackdown on account sharing, its ad supported Netflix tier launching on November 3rd, and is currently testing a profile transfer feature to allow users to transfer history, save games, lists, and other settings to an account if they choose to start their own membership. Its earning report suggests that its a thoughtful approach to account sharing will begin roll out broad, more broadly in early 2023. They expect 4.5 million new subscribers in the coming quarter, though it doesn't seem to believe that its ad support team will provide a meaningful segment on that surge. So, yeah, Netflix uh, has rebounded from their massive losses. Uh, good for them, good for them. Until something stupid happens and then we'll go backwards to square one uh, with Netflix. But it's nice to see things are rebounding for them for a little bit. Meanwhile, um, a producer from House of the Dragon came out and said... Uh, they have no idea how Damon Targaryen became an internet boyfriend. Uh, yeah. Sarah Hess says that the outpouring love for Damon online makes no sense. He's saying uh, he's become an internet boyfriend in a way that baffles me. Not that Matt's incredibly charismatic and wonderful and he's incredible in that role, but Damon himself is... I don't want him as my boyfriend. Well, you see, they like the bad boy. They like the bad boys being rebels and whatnot. 
Then, like, people loved Loki, and he was a psychotic killer until his redemption arc, and then he died, and then came back, and time travel shenanigans. So, anyways, uh, it was, um, Damon Targaryen also, you know, back in episode 5, murdered his wife and then told the cousin of his wife, uh, hey, uh, anyways, can I keep her stuff? Like, she had no heir, so, um, I'm gonna make a petition to, like, take her stuff and then I'll go marry someone else. And at his cousin's wedding, at his niece's niece's wedding, oh, god damn it. So, yeah, apparently, I'm like, at least, uh, at least, uh, I don't get it either, but this is the internet for you, you should be expecting the weird madness. Also, the upcoming Ironheart series, that's been in development for a while, uh, Apparently, there's been rumors that Sacha Baron Cohen has been tipped for the role of the, an Ironheart, and according to Deadline, the British actor could be broadening in the upcoming Marvel project of a long-awaited villain that everyone has been clamoring for since since WandaVision, and since Spider-Man, and since the show before that, since the Multiverse of Madness, because people will not shut up about it. <laughs> Instead of just waiting, um, Mephisto. A source close to the production confirmed dead to deadline that there has been talk on Sarah Conan and being part of Ironheart likely playing Mephisto. Uh, yeah. If I had to... Well, actually it makes sense because while WandaVision, Spider-Man... Like, we all know the Spider-Man story of, of Mephisto and his connection with Peter Parker and his unyielding hatred for all Spider-Men as was established. <sighs> Anyways, as that was going on, it was... He also had a brief run with the champions that Ironheart was a part of with Miss Marvel leading the team, and he made a deal with, with Miles Morales, and unlike Parker, this one made more believable sense and also let him keep his memories of the fact that everyone died that mission. In Marvel's Champions issue one through four, beat the devil. <laughs> yeah, and he was even a major player in creating Wanda's children, Tommy and Billy, at least in the comic books. So, yeah, gonna be interesting what, if Mephisto does show up and see what he pulls up on his sleeves. Or nothing at all. He'll just probably just say, "I'm having fun. I'm gonna. I'm bored out of my mind." Meanwhile, Alan Moore, when asked about anything, because when it comes to his projects, uh, uh, during an interview with GQ, he decided to talk about the Watchmen TV show, and <laughs> oh dear, um. How do I say this delicately? Alan Moore hates the Watchmen HBO series. And... 
basically, he had told the showrunner of the show to never contact him again. <laughs> uh, and, and this was because the person asked him, uh, Dear Moore, I am one of the one of the bastards currently destroying Watchmen. That was apparently his opener. Er, it was that on the a lot of what seemed to be to me neurotic rambling saying, Can you at least tell us how to pronounce Ozymandias or Ozymandias? Ozymandias. I, I just call him that. Like, we also get the Ozymandias statement, but like, that's about it. And. And he basically told him, basically, go F yourselves. I don't like talking about this. I don't want anything to do with your show. Do not bother me again. <laughs> Look, I, I get the story of Alan Moore and his history with DC especially and what the fallouts were from that. But, like, dude. <laughs> you're crazy, you know that? And that's not because of the beard. So, moving on from Alamore's deranged madness, uh, but I didn't find it bold the showrunner would say, Hey, uh, Alan Moore, I'm currently the newest bastard to destroy your beloved creation that you were wrongfully robbed of because of a deal with DC that led to the publishing a bunch of stuff. I'm like, it could be worse. Uber Bowl could have been in charge of it. And then God knows what would have happened. Poor bastards, they would never survive. But, uh, yeah, Alan Moore is going to be Alan Moore, so why is anyone surprised at this point? Anyways, uh, Callisto Protocol confirms it's not delayed and promises a 60 frames per second performance mode. Yeah, there were rumors that the developers had to announce on Twitter saying, nope, the game is still on its way for December 2nd, 2022, despite post from games listing it February 12, 2023, as reported by The Gamer. We would love to inform you, Laura, that we will be shipping globally on December 20, December 2nd. And yes, we'll have a 60 frames performance mode, mode on in the following later update. So, apparently it looks like Epic Games' release date was just down to a simple error, so congrats on the horrorness that is to come. So... Meanwhile, as Activision Blizzard continues to face upheaval battles with unionization and yada 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 because of their horribleness, uh, the National Labor Relations Board has approved Blizzard Albany's 21 quality assurance workers request to vote to unionize. Yes! Say. And naturally, Activision Blizzard's like, we disagree with the decision that could significantly impact the future of the entire studio Diablo team that should be made by just a handful of employees. Given our tightly integrated operations, all of our eligible non-supervisory employees that should have a voice to be allowed to vote, not just the approximately 20 quality assurance testers picked by the union. Um... Okay, then how about you treat them as human beings and we probably wouldn't have been in this mess or, you know, not be a horrible, 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 horrible company, then you probably wouldn't have been in this mess. Meanwhile, um, Lawrence Fishburne th- and the Matrix Resurrection happened and people wondered if Lawrence Fishburne thought he missed out by not being in the Matrix Resurrection to be Morpheus. 
He just says, no, not really. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, and it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. But I thought Carrie Ann and Keanu really did their thing. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um... Yeah, and then they had an AI version of him by Morpheus, um... And there wasn't a definitive answer why he was never asked to come back. Um, <laughs> you see, there's actually a reported canonical reason why he was not brought back because uh, because he died in the 2005 video game Matrix Online. And if you're wondering why are they using a dead MMO to use as the canonical status, your guess is as good as mine. Because if you're going to include very tightly critical information in a MMO that's no longer active, and you only have to find it on YouTube or Wika or, or fandom, then you're doomed. And oh god, it's like to understand like a portion of the Matrix Resurrection, I think you would have to have to read the supplementary material from what I've gathered. Like, it's Rise of Skywalker all over again, but not as infuriatingly so. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Meanwhile, um, God War Ragnarok's is Atrisic actor, the, uh, apparently, uh, suffered a, a, um, very straight condition with the, uh, had to get creative over, over the young son of the God of War. Well, uh, they had to explain how, uh, there was a problem with the sequel's development. The actor got older. And his voice changed dramatically. Because of puberty. Our actor for it, for Atris, study he is a teenage boy, and his voice changed dramatically throughout the several years on this tower. We had to go eat in and even out that performance, so it sounds like it took place over a short period of time. That was the unique challenge for this on this one. <laughs> I mean, then the pandemic probably had to have problems with it. We avoided compromising the story we were trying to deal with as a result of the pandemic and those limitations we had to deal with. There were no cinematics that we changed. We still have the same characters in them in the final game. We just had to get a bit creative how we shot the content. They had to avoid having too many voice actors on set at any one time, so they resorted to voice actors doubling up to play additional background characters. This allowed them to be able to avoid situations where too many people were on set on any given day. They also had some actors stand in for others on the day. However, even with this rapidly deepening voice, I can't help but thinking it's unlikely the voice took over Kratos at any point. Yep. Ah, uh, puberty. Uh, especially for a for a kid actor. Uh, bad timing, huh? Meanwhile, um, Warner Brothers system requirements for Gotham Knights that recently came out are very demanding. Apparently, I am not a techno babble crazy guy, so I'm not going to talk about this. Anyways, um, the UK's government's investigation into Microsoft's billion-dollar, $69 billion deal with Activision Blizzard has revealed the company is currently developing its own Xbox mobile store to, to rival Apple and Google. As reported, they presented documents to the UK's competition market authority to claim its purchasing of Call of Duty publishers in part to expand its mobile game presence. 
This drive auction will improve the ability to create next-gen game store, which operates across a range of devices, including mobile, as a result of the addition of content. Building on Activision Blizzard's existing community of gamers, Xbox will seek to scale the Xbox Store to mobile, attracting gamers to do a new mobile platform. Shifting consumers away from Google Play and App Stores on mobile devices, however, will require a major shift in consumer behavior. Microsoft hopes that by offering well-known and popular content, gamers will be more inclined to try something new. Building on the existing communities of gamers, Xbox will seek to scale back and attracting gamers to the new mobile platform. It's not clear what exactly the Xbox mobile store will look like, but it will likely see more of a dedicated way for users to purchase play games of the Xbox Cloud Gaming directly from a mobile phone. While this is unlike services it already offers, they would also allow Microsoft to give developers more freedom to sell add-ons directly, and issues that Microsoft has spoken on and pursuing previously. This can make the Xbox platform more desirable to developers who, unlike Apple's App Store, will lose a portion of the profit for every microtransaction. So does that mean they would have to this would be exclusive on their own phone? Because unlike unlike Apple, they, they tend not to share their store with anyone else. And like Android's alright with it, but like Apple iPhone isn't. Yeah. Plus, they even have a play. Uh, plus, uh, back in August, Sony also announced a dedicated PS Studios mobile division. So, the mobile wars are beginning. Got it. Can't wait for the insanity. Meanwhile, after over a decade, we have. They have. The author Rick Wardian has announced the six mainline Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the challenge, the challenge of Gods, eight years after the previous novel was released. Nearly a decade after the release of The Blood of Olympus, Percy Jackson and the others will star in a brand new adventure from Rick Wardian. And Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the challenge of Gods, will go on for sale on September 26, 2023. After one month after the new First trailer for the new Percy Jackson Olympians adaptation for their content library of Disney Plus. The series announced in 2020, and Disney later received backlash for the casting of Abbott, who was previously played by a black actress. So you know that's gonna be pissed. Uh, and trolls upset upset by the casting rallied to have the 12-year-old TikTok account banned because, of course. And the author came to a defense saying, if you have a problem with this cast, you take it up with me, you have no one else to blame. Whatever else you take from this post, we should be able to agree that bullying and harassing a child online is inexcusably wrong. As strong as Leah is, as much as we have discussed the potential of this kind of reaction and the intense pressure this role will bring, the new accounts she has received online are out of line, they need to stop now. Oh, and they also included Edge from WWE, so I'm sure that's cool. Meanwhile, DC Films has been rejoicing secretly behind the scenes. Walt Hamada has left. According to Deadline. After 15 years. So. Yeah. So. Batgirl was the straw that broke the camel's back. And. Yeah, that was part of the deal. If once Black Adam, like, okay, Walter Hamada, I know everyone hates you and everyone will be glad you're gone, but like, we need you to stick around at least until Black Adam comes about because I know you're pissed about Batgirl, so uh, could you wait? And sure enough, Walter Hamada left after Black Adam came out. 
Meanwhile, She-Hulk attorney of law creator Jessica Gao has revealed her that her original pitch for this Disney Plus series featured the leader from the upcoming Captain America 4 New World Order. New, new, new world order. While speaking to comic book about her initial plans, Gao admitted that she includes Samuel Stearns, aka the leader, as an option for one of the villains in the series. She explained that she had to put the idea on the table very early on, but it ultimately ended up being scrapped for reasons that she could no longer recall. Captain America. In my original pitch, I did have the leader in there, or just as, the, just as an option, as a suggestion. You know, really, I can't remember why it was scrapped. I don't remember if it was organically taken out because we just came up with other stuff where we were told no. I honestly don't remember. So, yeah. And the last time we saw the leader, they set him up back in 2008's Incredible Hulk. Yeah, that, that 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 was a thing. Remember? Yeah, remember, remember those days, two thousand eight Hulk, Edward Norton, and they addressed it, saying it happened, but like maybe very differently compared to the one that we get now. But uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, those were sane times. I haven't even watched She Hulk yet, but I have heard of the insanity of what's come out of it. Meanwhile, uh, Silent Hill had their big event happening, and they announced Silent Hill 2 Remake from the Bloober team during the transmission event. Okay, um, they're remaking Silent Hill 2 in the showcase Pyramid Head, coming to PlayStation 5 and Steam. Like, I, I want to be excited, but at the same time, this is modern Konami, so yeah. Meanwhile, there's going to be a new movie of Silent Hill called Return to Silent Hill from the original Silent Hill director confirmed. Yeah. The director, Christopher Gaines, Gans, who also directed the original one from 2006, but this is the official confirmation. And the, story, the movie will be based on Silent Hill 2 and will be more of a psychological horror. Horror says that the plan is to make it modern and also very true to the game. And will include the familiar monsters, but updated for the new version. Saying the script is totally independent from the two previous movies made and respects the way Silent Hill has evolved. Silent Hill is a bit like the Twilight Zone, the fourth dimension, a place where anything and everything can happen. I worked on a new Silent Hill, which is the Silent Hill of the year 2023, since the film would be released next year in 2023, and not Silent Hill as I imagined in 2006. Congrats. Also, there's going to be a live Silent Hill event called Silent Hill Ascension. And it's coming out in 2023, and they mentioned a series of image chat bubbles from users discussing whether or not they could save her. Um, also being made in partnership with a streaming software company of J.J. Abrams' film and TV production company Gaming Arm, Bad Robot Games. Dead by Daylight Studio, Behavior Interactive, and video game to TV specials production company, DJ2 Entertainment. With those names on board, we could probably guess that this is a sort of hybrid video game live stream experience with an interactive component, but we'll have to wait until more details come out. And they were inspired by watching streamers playing Silent Hill with the audience and the feeling of being scared together, like with watching horror movies in the film. It's a live, real-time interactive series where audiences were able to change the outcome of the story and participate in scenes. Critically, we're told there's no reset button, outcomes are set, and fans will have the chance to shape Silent Hill canon forever. Ambitious, ambitious, but okay. 
and last but not least to end this this week of news on Silent Hill F is revealed as a new game set in 1960s Japan wait what isn't Silent Hill like like in America what Okay, but the details from it is using this a juxtaposition on a worldview of beautiful, therefore horrifying. Silent Hill F is being written by I can't pronounce this guy's name, this person's name, but he's an acclaimed Japanese visual writer, novel writer behind, and I can't pronounce those names either. The atmospheric trailer shows a scenic but sinister Japanese town that's been engulfed by some kind of fungus. Fungus. The ending of the trailer, however, is genuinely terrifying with a woman covered in fungus. Ah, so it's. The Last of Us set in Japan, and if it happened in the 60s. Okay. <laughs> uh, too easy. The game is being developed by, also being developed by Neo Bard, a studio that has helped develop Capcom's most recent games like Resident Evil Rebirth. The producer of the series is, I can't pronounce his name, but he's a Nintendo veteran who worked on Luigi's Mansion and Pikeman. It's unclear what the F stands for, but it's shaping up to be a fairly exciting departure from the series. I'm like, yeah, when I'm in Sun Hill. So, as part of the transmission announcement, they, this was part of the whole multiple spinoffs in Sun Hill 2 remake announcement. So, yeah. That's it for this news, for the news from last week. Uh, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again. Hoping we can talk about, hoping more content can come out in the subsequent days and months. But uh, we'll have to see where things go from here. This was New York Reality Collective, hosted by your host, Eric Brown. Paul Culture News and Reviews Talk. Stay tuned for this last ad break and outro, and I'll see you all again next time. Peace and take care, and keep on popping. sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.